Hello and welcome to the SIPS Queensland podcast where we interview Queensland professionals to get an insight to their careers, their highs, their lows, their wisdom and their advice. So let's check out today's podcast guest. And welcome back to the SIPS Queensland podcast with myself, Ash Turner, being the host today. And I have a lovely guest with me. Her name is Laura. She's part of the Queensland SIPS committee, but I have uh, volunteered to pick on her <laughs> as such today. Um, we're breaking down all things procurement. So she is a uh, procurement recruitment, let me say that specialty. So she's going to be giving us tips and tricks on what resumes should look like, tips with interviews. Um, and taking us through all the changes post-COVID when it comes to what businesses are looking for, as well as what candidates are really are asking for and wanting to be put on the table. So we're going to be unpacking some great things today, which is going to be beneficial to heaps of people listening. But first things first, Laura, welcome. And can you give us a quick rundown of who you are, where you work and all of that? Thanks, Ash. Um, so, yeah, I am Laura. I am currently working for Truku, which is a recruitment agency based here in Brisbane. Um, so I manage all of the procurement and supply chain roles at all levels, both permanent and contract in the business currently. And the first question I'm going to ask is how did you get into recruitment for procurement in particular because I think we're a sexy department not everyone else thinks we're sexy so take us through that yeah so I get this question quite a lot because it is a very specialized space um so I started my recruitment career back in the UK as more of a candidate manager type role and at the time I was um, partnered with the supply chain and procurement consultant so I got into it just kind of by default at the time and then it just snowballed from there really when I moved over to Australia and they saw my procurement and supply chain um experience in recruitment when I started applying for roles and yeah so it was just a natural segue and um, to continue that in Australia. And how do you explain what procurement is to your friends and that because I don't even bother telling people what I do now so how do you explain it to your friends? So I say to people it's a lot more complex than to to explain it so it will take me forever if we want to go into all areas but I mainly say that you know it's people in businesses that are putting contract agreements in place with suppliers for anything that the business could possibly need um, and then also purchasing those services and specific products. That's a very good you know, short, zappy thing. I like that. I try and make it too complex for them so they just shut down and say next question. So that's my strategy with that. Um, but my first question that I really wanted to ask you is what are companies looking for in procurement candidates these days? What specific skills, uh, experiences, styles of leadership or personalities or role types? Uh, right, the role types, sorry. Uh, so can you take us through that? Yeah, so at the moment, and probably over the last 12 to 18 months, the market has been crazy busy, especially here in Brisbane. So I found that there's a variety of different types of roles, but the most common positions that I'm seeing are at that procurement specialist level. Um, that most businesses are looking for people that have um, the ability to conduct end-to-end strategic activities like tendering um, relatively autonomously, so not really needing too much handholding 
holding. Uh, another area that comes up a lot is negotiation skills. So what that looks like, what their style is in negotiation, because I think that has changed quite a lot over the years as to how to interact with suppliers. So that's definitely a key one and also the relationship building and stakeholder management skills so that predominantly um, outweighs the technical capability of candidates um, as to what clients are looking for um, and companies so they feel like yes i can teach the technical skills if there's gaps but we can't change someone's personality so you know the right behaviors wanting to learn um, wanting to collaborate with people um, i found that they're the real the main things that, that I tend to take away from my job briefs. And I love that you're saying that because years ago, I think it was 2019 when I won the SIPS award, um, I was doing many interviews back then. And they, I said, one of my presentations was about soft skills. My soft skills was the key to the success of all these projects. And back then they're like, oh yeah, it's a bit. And now I'm like, see, my skills were part of that. So I try to tell people that all a lot are like, with any role, it's around your personality, your, you know, your empathy, how you read those situations and being able to connect to those people. That is so important. So I love that you just validated my point all those years ago. So thank you for that. Um, my next question is, what skills or experiences are we lacking at the moment? Because I know that you're trying to hunt for all these people, because all these roles and stuff, expansions, all of that with businesses pivoting. What are the skill sets or experiences that we're kind of lacking in the market right now that we need uh, more of? So one of the key things which hasn't seemed to have changed over the past year or so is IT procurement. That is a huge area that especially the Brisbane market I find is lacking um, candidates with real solid IT experience because when people are recruiting for those types of roles they really need experience in that category because it is so complex and the stakeholders I've heard can be quite challenging to um, yeah to coordinate with and um, so so that's definitely one area that's in high demand and a combination of high demand, but lack of people in the market to fill those roles. Um, another area is general goods and services. So a lot of businesses, unless it is very specific, like IT, for example, they like to have people who have worked in maybe a few different areas and a few different categories. So they have the ability to pick up, you know, new areas quite easily. And one area which I found really, really interesting that seems to be coming up um, and has been over the last three months, and I, I can see it being a trend for the next kind of um, probably six to 12 months, is the ability of people to be able to actually draft, interpret and review contract agreements. So I know that a lot of businesses rely heavily on legal to do that, but it seems to be more and more common that businesses are putting that initial contract ability on procurement functions. And that is an area I found that people do lack that experience. So that's something that seems to be trending at the moment. And that is definitely an area that you either love or you step away from. And I definitely uh, do the matrix with that one in particular. I'm like, that's not fun. So <laughs> it's definitely an area that you have to love and enjoy going through all those contracts and that legal um, stuff. My next question is flipping it around to the candidates because you've got prime candidates out there, post-COVID, all of this stuff. 
what are you hearing from the candidates with their expectations? What are they wanting from companies? Because it's more focused, I feel, uh, from like a culture element and their own sort of benefits, not like uh, companies going, this is how it will be. Candidates have more of a say with what they want now. So take us through what you're hearing from a candidate perspective. Yeah, and I think you're completely right there, Ash, with the uh, it's definitely more of a candidate driven market now, because as we said, the market's so busy, there's so many options, so companies need to be competitive. I found the key things that people are really looking for. Number one, flexibility, as it probably is not a shock to anyone that I'm saying this, um, but that's a mixture of work from home flexibility, but also what hours people need to be in the office. So I found that you know some people prefer to go in earlier maybe later to accommodate you know school drop-offs and those types of things which is you know is becoming more and more common that that is balanced with you know the the at-home dynamic so a lot more people are looking for that flexibility as well as work from home another area which is also important to a lot of candidates is their career development opportunities internally within the business so is this a role where you know i'm not going to be able to progress to the next level in the business but also learning and development so a lot of businesses now are putting budgets into learning development for each individual staff member um, so they can go and do external courses and education to further their professional development, which will help them moving forward. And I found that that's something that a lot of um, people are looking for is, you know, going in and doing the role. But how is this also going to benefit me long term in terms of, um, you know, my potential next step in my career? Another thing that I've noticed is additional benefits. So not just salary and work from home flexibility, but things such as salary packaging. Is that available in the business? Um, ability to potentially purchase additional annual leave. Um, a lot of people want to go on holidays a lot more now because we haven't been able to for a couple of years. So the um, annual leave side of things is really important to a lot of people, as well as some flexibility with work pattern days, for example. So I work with a business that, you know, if you work X amount of hours per week, you actually get, um, you know, that back in kind of in lieu. So you'll get, you know, every month you'll get an extra day's leave because you've worked, you know, a couple of extra hours a week, which a lot of people really like because let's be honest, most people work more than their contracted hours anyway. So the fact that you're kind of getting that time back um, at some point is, you know, is really beneficial for a lot of people as well. And then the last thing um, I wanted to mention, which you touched on, is definitely the culture of the business, the team, as well as the actual manager. So I think pre-COVID, a lot of people probably tolerated toxic environments a lot more just because there maybe weren't as many opportunities to move into other businesses. But because it is a very competitive market, you know, businesses really need to look at, okay, are we providing a safe environment for people where, you know, they can express themselves? Are we supporting them from a, a properly from a managerial standpoint? And I think that companies are really looking at, you know, what are we doing to attract people, but also retain our current staff and not lose them to, to other businesses? 100% like agree with everything you've just said, speaking to other procurement people like, like events and stuff and just your know, other businesses. It's definitely 
that's what people look for now is the culture, the leadership, their flexibility. Even I do. I'll put my hand up. I'm like, I'm not going to go back into an office nine to five. There's no way in hell I would do that. Um, it allows people to be a lot more sort of present in their life with their mental health. I even know from my experience working from home a couple of days, being able to pick up my son from school, you know, twice a week. I'm like, yes, I'm being a good mom, kick. Because I never used to do that during the whole um, before COVID thing. So it's definitely opened people's eyes up that there is such thing as balance. And you're not going to get, you know, take that off the table if you've already got that. So I think that's brilliant. Um, I just want to touch on salaries. Uh, I want to get your thoughts or um, anything like stats or trends you've seen with the salary sort of changes during COVID, post-COVID, all of that. Can you take us through that, what you've seen? Yeah, sure. So the salaries have shifted drastically, I would say, over the last 12 months, predominantly more so in the junior to mid end of the market. So anything between I would say 15 to 20,000 in some cases um, increase in salaries so you know roles such as you know purchasing officer roles a couple of maybe three years ago you'd be able to hire someone for around about that 65,000 plus super you're looking at least 80,000 now you know as a base salary and similar with procurement officer level roles um, and procurement and category specialists so I'm seeing procurement and category specialists people who are able to run those activities relatively autonomously um, around about the 120 base as a minimum. So that's definitely shifted a lot. I don't think the market above 150, around the 150 plus supermark has really shifted much at all, to be honest. I think it's predominantly been that more junior to, to mid end of the market. Love that. My next question for you is around resumes and interviews. So we're going to tackle resumes in particular um, with this one. This is the most obvious thing ever. You need a resume, you need to conduct interviews, but it also terrifies people. You're going, oh my gosh, who am I? What have I done? What do I need to tell these people? All of that. So I want you, you would have seen hundreds of thousands of resumes. So can you just give us a couple of tips of what to put on your resume and what not? to put on your resume to shine bright a little bit. Yeah, sure. And honestly, resume writing is one of the hardest things to do. I remember I when I was writing my own resume, even though I'm in recruitment, I was like, where do I start? What do I put on there? So it's definitely something that can be quite daunting. So I think I've got a few good tips here that will, you know, make your resume stand out and make it make people want to actually read it because that's a key thing is if there's too much text there's too much just you know it's too wordy people don't want to sit and read it it's like reading an essay so um breaking it into sections is one thing that i would recommend so making sure there's enough white space on the page um using things such as bullet points to break down information so that it looks more appealing and easier to read um so simple things first of all always include your location on your resume. So I would always recommend doing suburb specific because that will give the person recruiting the role an indication of whether that is going to be a long-term option in terms of travel. Uh, contact information, mobile email address, standard. Um, a few additional things I think would be good to include, I think more post COVID now is visa citizenship status because 
Some people will have a visa where they can't work permanently. And if you're recruiting a permanent role, there could be, you know, waste of time in, in you know, looking at someone who maybe doesn't actually have the right work rights. Um, also, vaccination status. Um, a lot of businesses now have vaccination policies. So if you're comfortable in doing so, I would recommend it, but it's not 100% essential. Um, Next thing I would recommend is include a strong professional summary at the top of the resume. So just giving a brief overview of industries you've worked in, um, numbers of years, number of years experience that you've got in that field, just one or two paragraphs maximum, just to kind of give a snapshot of your experience before going into the detail. Another thing I like to see on resumes kind of under that summary is a bullet pointed list going across the page of key skills so that could include um things such as you know complex negotiation strategic sourcing experience you know category management plan development um end-to-end -end tendering systems that you've used um and specific category experience as well because that again is given a very quick snapshot of okay this is the experience you've got these are this is relevant to the role i'm recruiting i'm going to want to look further into more detail of the experience um education qualifications definitely include them they're always relevant especially if you've done things such as sips courses a lot of procurement uh, hiring managers really hold that in high regard so it's good to include that if you've done any additional education one thing that i always recommend to people which not everyone does i find interesting is actually using quite simple and common buzzwords that are used in the function because you're not always your resume isn't always being read by a procurement hiring manager sometimes it's the hr function sometimes it's talent acquisition who maybe don't have as much knowledge and information specifically around procurement so they will be going off position descriptions that they're reading, uh, briefs that they're taking from hiring managers, where they will be using words such as tendering, you know, contract drafting, strategic sourcing, all of these different, you know, common words that are used. So if they're included in your responsibilities um, information in your resume, they'll be able to link that a lot easier um, and make sure that it is relevant to that specific role. So that's a tip that I would always recommend people do. Um, and again, include goods and services, the categories that you've procured in each role um, and sometimes the contract values. If you have that information, some hiring managers like to see that in the detail and will likely ask that at interview as well if they haven't got that information. So having it there from the get go is really um, advantageous. Include achievements. A lot of people just put responsibilities, but don't always include achievements and, you know, it doesn't have to be something, you know, where you've made massive, massive cost savings. It could just be, you know, a, a, a challenging situation that you managed to turn around and get a positive outcome in the end. So things that you feel are relevant um, definitely include those because that makes you stand stand out in comparison to some other resumes that won't have that. And then the last thing I would recommend is to not do is try to condense your resume to one or two pages because I find a lot of people think that 
that is what people want to see, but you're actually cutting out a lot of key information that we want to read and we want to be able to um, analyze before we speak to you about a potential opportunity. So I think anything up to four pages is fine. And that is a, you know, it's not too long. So I would say don't feel pressured to take out information just to make it a shorter resume to read. I love that there's a lot of things in there that people go, oh my gosh, I need to do this, this and this. Um, my next question for you is preparing for an interview. So you put through your resume, tick, tick, tick. Laura's like, yes, you've done all these things. You're going forward to have an interview. People do freak out about this. They have that self-doubt with their capabilities, what they've done. Are they you know, worthy of these roles? All of that. So can you take us through um, a couple of tips when preparing for an interview? Yeah, so you're totally right. Interviews, I I find that interviews are very alien to a lot of people, which as recruiters, we forget because we are doing interviews daily, multiple of them on a daily basis. So the first thing that I always recommend to people, because this is a question that 99% of the time is always going to be asked first, is talk me through your experience, run me through your background. And what I would recommend is practice what you're going to actually say during that that piece of the interview, because they want to know about roles that you've had probably not past 10 years ago. I think that that's probably not as relevant just because it was, you know, it was quite a long time ago now. So I would think about, right, what role are you going to start with in terms of you know, the experience you're going to run through and work your way up to the most recent role. So that is typically the order that I would recommend you talk the, the roles through. Go through top line information. So what you pro were procuring in that role, what were your key responsibilities? But make it relevant to the position you're applying for. So really look through the position description beforehand and then mirror your experience and what you're going to talk about to that's relevant to that role, because that will just um, that will eliminate alleviate quite a lot of questions that may come after you've gone through your experience because you've already covered it off in that initial run through. And also just think about what information you're going to provide, what is maybe not as necessary, because you don't want it to drag on too long where people are starting to get disinterested, but also you don't want it to be too short that you're not actually providing enough information. So that's one thing that I would recommend you practice a couple of times beforehand, and it'll just flow a lot easier in the conversation. Um, another area that I would recommend is if you do have roles when you're running through your experience, if you have roles that you've done that maybe aren't as relevant to this specific position, definitely mention them, but just spend a little bit less time on going through the detail of that role and just spend a little bit more time on the more suitable roles. So being able to kind of tailor that to the audience and the role that you're applying for again is going to set you apart and it's going to make the, um, the interviewers a lot more interested in exploring those details of that are most relevant. Another area is definitely prepare for behavioural and situational based questions. They are always asked, especially in procurement. So one fan favourite is how you manage difficult stakeholders and give me an example of where you've done that. 
let's be honest, procurement people deal with difficult stakeholders all the time. So I could imagine there's a lot of examples people can pull on. Um, but yeah, that's one question that I just find is asked so regularly because that's just a common situation that you find yourself in in procurement roles. Um, other things that may come up in terms of behavioural questions, um, maybe some process improvements that you've made. So maybe have a couple of examples around that. Uh, complex negotiation that you've maybe led and the outcome of that as well. Like, was it a positive outcome? It doesn't always have to be a positive outcome from an example that you're giving, because you can also then talk about things that you learned from that and what you then apply, they can apply moving forward from those lessons. So it's good to be transparent and not always make it seem like everything's perfect because not everything always is. And then the last couple of things that I would recommend is ensure that you have at least two to three questions that you're actually going to ask the interviewer at the end of the interview. So this number one makes you seem like you are actually interested in the role and the business overall. So, you know, ask them about how they find the culture. What do they like about working in the business? Um, so think questions like that, which get get people thinking and then you can get a little bit more insight as well into what the culture is actually like in the business because let's be honest that's always a key factor in why you want to accept a role and also just prepare what are you actually trying to get out of the interview what do you want to get out of it it's a two-way conversation I think people forget that a lot of the time like yes the business obviously you know, they want to, they need to want to hire you, but you also need to want that job because if they're not selling the job to you and it doesn't sound of interest, you're not going to take it even if it's offered to you anyway. So I think it's important to remember that an interview is very much a 50-50 conversation and asking those questions and thinking about what it is you want to get out of it, I think will really it'll set you apart from other people that are interviewing because not a lot of people think in that manner when they're going for an interview. I think there's some solid tips in there and I can definitely attest to what you said about asking those questions because if you ask 20-year-old Ashley to ask this question to someone interviewing me, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Like, you know, I'm trying to ask for this job and now I will be pretty much owning the interview because I want to know all about them and understand all their dirty wall secrets and what they're trying to achieve. So it's funny, the more that you grow confident with your skill set and your worth, the more that you actually probably try lead that conversation in those interviews as well. We could sit here and keep talking and talking because I know there's a lot more information that we could pick your brain with. But some key things that really stood out to me overall is around sharpening the saw when it comes to both our hard skills and our soft skills from what you were picking up. Really working on those people skills, enhancing those with your communication, your relationship management with vendors, stakeholder management internally. All of that seems to be a, a key thing that we're focusing on. And then if you're looking for those harder skills, what to, you know, technical things to learn, as you were saying, the contract, people are wanting those uh, for us to review them and draft them and really uh, step forward with those. So if you want more technical skill sets, focus on the contract management side of things, have fun with that. I won't be doing that, but that is definitely an area to focus on. And if you want to get more exposure and experience, as Laura was saying, generalized categories. Um, that was something that my boss, Tom, always taught me from the start. Never get boxed into one category. Have multiple um, hands 
across all of them to get that exposure. Um, it was one of the best things I've ever done because you have so many different perspectives and you can see different things throughout the operations of the business. So I do want to say thank you so much for all of that um, after I've just grilled you for about 30 minutes. So thank you for that. And I hope that everyone listening to this has got some key golden nuggets off the back of that. So thank you, Laura. Thanks, Ash. It's been a lot of fun.